Welcome to Earth Matters here on Gila Members Community Radio, KURU 89.1 FM Silver City, and KTAL LP 101.5 FM in Las Cruces. I'm Donna Stevens, your host for today's program and the executive director of the Upper Gila Watershed Alliance, a local nonprofit working to protect the Gila watershed through advocacy, education, and restoration. Twice monthly, we here at Earth Matters bring you conversations with people working on the ground to address climate change in the Southwest and provide you with information on how you can make a difference and help bring collective action to this global crisis. With me today is Don Graves, the president of the Gila Native Plant Society. We're going to spend the hour talking about the importance and the decline of pollinators such as bees, moths, wasps, beetles, flies, bats, and birds. Unfortunately, it's not just the pollinators that are in trouble. Pollinators host plants, which play a huge role in pollinators' life cycles, are in decline. So we're going to discuss that too. Welcome, Don. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Don. It's always good to be here. Well, let's start off the show with some basics for people who haven't had a biology class for a long time, which I suspect is most of us. What exactly are we talking about when we say pollination? Can you briefly walk us through that process? Uh, Sure. I won't give you the the long, drawn-out professorial version, but um, pollination is just a way of getting pollen, which is going to from the male part of a plant or a male plant, some plants are male and female, um, to this receptive structure called the stigma on another flower, or sometimes even on the same flower in self-pollination. So it's just a transfer mechanism for pollen. And, you know, grasses, love our grasses. We're going to talk about grasses today. They're wind pollinated. So pollen gets to them blowing on the wind. Those of us who have uh, allergies to the juniper, you know, the male juniper um, has prodigious amounts of pollen. And that's generally pretty typical of wind pollinated plants. They produce a whole bunch because there's no one dedicated to take it from here to there. Um, So, but but those plants that are pollinated by some vector, whether it's an insect or a bird or a bat, um, they have structures or get pollen stuck onto them. They transfer it from what we'll call the anther, which has the pollen grains on it. That's the male part of that plant. And then it's going to be moved to the female part, the stigma. And then it really, I mean, that's pollination, that's that's it. But obviously once that pollen grain hits that stigma, it'll digest its way down this long, long style and then fertilize the eggs below. And um, so that's sort of the the quick and nitty gritty of, of pollination. Yeah, that was a good explanation. So why is pollination such a big deal for humans? Basically, like, why should we care? <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. Um, doing a little research and thinking about this, one of every third mouthful of food is dependent upon a pollinator. So 
you know, that that's in a typical meal, you know, <laughs> one third of your mouthfuls are dependent upon pollination services. Um, you know, the monetary values of pollination vary widely. Um, but one, this was a few years ago, 18 to $27 billion or more. Then you can add, you know, fruits and vegetables and apple juice and cranberry juice and all of those things. But then you can even add in indirect like milk, cows, you know, are feeding alfalfa that were pollinated. So, you know, it, it's difficult to get a monetary value there. But let's just, and other wildlife species, obviously, that um, the black bear, let's take something, you know, someone from our, our, our you know, immediate locale. So uh, it's it's huge. It's huge. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about a huge about a third. It sounds like of all the food that we eat depends on pollination. So that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the animals that perform? And that's, oh, oh, and that's worldwide. You know, that's worldwide. And think of think of it in those terms. And it's it's an enormous amount. Okay, sorry. Yeah. No, that's good. What are some of the animals that perform this crucial act of pollination? Well, we've got a bunch. You listed them earlier. Um, and I have, have this is the part of the show where I have to disappoint much of the audience. Because when you ask people, you know, who are the pollinators? Generally speaking, the first thing out of their mouths is butterflies yeah and we love our butterflies and we have since humans were able to recognize a butterfly as such and the beauty and the the just the tranquility of all of that but butterflies are not very good pollinators hmm. and it's simply because they don't like many, some of the many other pollinators we'll talk about they don't purposefully go out to get pollen okay the butterflies are getting nectar yeah all they want once in a while pollen grain will get stuck on it and it'll go to another flower and it will pollinate but it's not a very efficient way of doing that mm -hmm. um moths may be a little better but they're looking for nectar as well um we have flies you know people don't think of flies but they're going to the flowers, they're getting some nectar, they might be feeding on something else that's that's there and inadvertently they get some pollen on them and they move on. Although there are some flies that are very important in for certain crops. Um, we've got the beetles, same story, you know, they'll get some nectar, but they're not actively seeking that pollen. Um, the wasps, are generally speaking um, nectar feeders. The larvae of the wasps are fed, they're actually carnivorous carnivores. So there's not that pollen relationship there. And think we've got birds like hummingbirds. Once again, they're nectar feeders and they are going in and once in a while, they'll get a little brush of pollen on their forehead or you know, mm -hmm. the base of their beak. And um, and transfer it on, but not purposefully. Um, bats, you know, most of the bats that we think about, 
the bats under our eaves, maybe, those are insectivorous bats. Those are bats that are feeding on insects at night. And their erratic fly, flight pattern is simply due to the fact that they're corralling these insects with their wings and putting their head down and grabbing the insect and eating on the wing. But nectivorous bats, those bats that feed solely on nectar, those are also pollinators. And in our area, it's the agaves. And I can, I'll talk a little bit more about a project we did <laughs> concerning bats. Okay. So those are the, uh, the uh, oh, but I, I, I left out the major one. So by and large, the biggest, best, most efficient pollinators are our bees. And those are, you know, honeybees count, but I'm really concerned about the native bees. We have 4,000 species of native bees here in North America and Canada. It's, it's, it's enormous. And um, they have specialized structures on them to collect pollen because they actively collect pollen. They're going to a plant to get pollen. They'll take some nectar. The adult bees feed mostly on nectar. And that pollen with a little bit of nectar mixed in is going to feed their larvae. Okay, so very actively. And they have these elaborate hairs on the underside and on their there are different parts of their leg, um, sometimes called pollen baskets. The bumblebees have these big curved hairs on their legs that collect pollen. And you can see them flying along and you wonder how they fly. Um, so, so bees are by far um, our most cherished pollinators, but others count, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Okay. And you said something about honeybees and native bees. So you made it sound as if honeybees are not natives. Is that correct? That's correct. They're all European or um, African. <laughs> they're Africanized. Yeah. But yeah, so and yeah, so they are um, kind of a different story. The honeybees are um, certainly going out actively seeking pollen. They are generalists. In other words, they don't care if it's this flower or that flower so much. Okay. Um, the native bees are in many cases, as many are generalists, but many are most, say most probably are very specialists. They specialize in a particular plant family or even a particular genus in a plant family. And we can talk a little bit about that okay. in more detail yeah. later. Yeah, we will. Um, I wanted to ask you, I mean, in the last few years, I've been reading articles and seeing people refer to the so-called insect apocalypse. Can you talk about what that is? What do we mean when we say insect apocalypse? Yeah, various studies have shown that there are some pretty drastic declines. It seems to be more, uh, the decline seems to be more serious in terrestrial insects than it does in water um, insects um, for a variety of reasons. Um, is it climate change? Is it pesticides? Is it urbanization? Is it agriculture? Um, you know, I think those chemicals, various pesticides and, and environmental chemicals. Um, so I think the jury is still out on that and how severe it is. One of the problems that, um, that you have to think about is that the, 
what will replace many of these insect species are pests, insects that we don't really want. Yeah. If you spray, spray pesticide on a field, you, you take out all of the, all of the insects, pest and non-pest. Well, the pests seem to be much better at reproduction, much faster. So when it's all said and done, all of the quote unquote good <laughs> insects, the beneficial insects, the insects that keep those pests under control, they're dead. And the pests, no competition and can go goofy. So the jury's still out on that. Um, I think uh, let's stay tuned to that. Yeah, issue. I mean, I think so many, so many of us, quite frankly, don't really like insects very much. <laughs> I mean, they're pests, they bite you, they fly up your nose and stuff. And a lot of people don't really care very much about insects and seems like insect decline might actually be favorable. But they're so beneficial and we need them for so much. And I think that uh, sometimes it's hard to realize what the consequence, you know, there's unintended consequences when you get rid of something, then something else happens that you realize, oh, that's a problem. Yeah, that's even so, worse. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be worse. And of course, it isn't just insects that are in trouble. There's a lot of studies showing that numerous species of birds and bats are in steep declines too. Can you talk a little bit about what's going on there? Yeah, um, one of the things we'll talk about in a little more detail later, I think, will be um, these these larval plant hosts. You know, mama bird, those little fledglings, they need a lot of food. They are, I mean, you, you've seen birds that hatch and then, you know, in a few days, it seems like they're flying around. They need a lot of energy. They need a lot of protein. And caterpillars, that is a extremely important and a very, very rich source of food for these, these fledglings. And um, so anything that is affecting caterpillar, moth, butterfly um, populations are going to affect bird populations. Things like habitat destruction, pesticides, climate change, this, the same culprits that we're gonna name over and over and over probably today. Um, as far as bats, um, Mexican bats, um, lesser Mexican bat, long-nosed bat, uh, in trouble, climate change, migratory patterns are changing. But one of the things that really has caused some problem is the tequila industry in the mezcal. It's, it's big. It's, it's very popular. It's, it's you know, um, a very money, big money-making industry in Mexico. So whereas the monoculture of agave plants was the norm for, for making the, the tequila and mezcal, uh, more and more the campesinos are going outside of that area into the wilds and taking um, agaves for a specialty tequila. Oh. And of course, it takes several years for the flower stock to go up and for the bats, you know, to have a source of nectar. So um, th that that's part of the story, a big part of the story okay. with the bats. Well, we need to take a short break here, but we'll come back after this little break to talk more about pollinators and pollinator host plants with Don Graves of the Gila Native Plant Society. So please stay tuned. <laughs> 